Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Turi Fluker, and thanks for joining us. In the studio with me today is Latanya Artry. Latanya is the Curator of Art and Civil Rights at the Mississippi Museum of Art, and this is a partnership with the Mississippi Museum of Art and Tougaloo College. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you are working on a lot of exciting things here in, in the Jackson area uh, in with this partnership with the Mississippi Museum of Art and Tougaloo College, and we'll get, we're going to talk a lot about that later. But first, I want to get to know about you, more about you. Okay. Tell me, where do you come from? Um, that's always complicated. I usually tell people everywhere and nowhere. But um, for today, I will say I was born somewhere. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. I grew up in a little town nearby, Hamtramck, Michigan, until I was nine. My dad was in the Army, so we did move around. And that's why I tell people I'm from everywhere and nowhere. <laughs> yes, that's, um, that's, that's a similar childhood um, to um, to some of us, mm-hmm. um, and so we sort of relate to that. But um, in the in that early years, those early years of you growing up in um, in Michigan, um, what role did the arts play in your in your life? Um, pretty early on, I have to say, my mom used to take me to art museums. I went to the Detroit Institute of Art when I was like five, six years old. I started going there. And so, yeah. Wonderful place. Yeah, wonderful place. You know, fa- fascinating collection. Uh, one of the best in the country or the world, maybe. And um, I went to a lot of theater performances. We went to a lot of puppet shows. So early on, actually, the arts was just kind of a regular part of my life. I loved it. And I also thought of it as as just that's what people do. You know, we went pretty regularly. Um, And I have to, you know, think now that that actually did shape a lot about what I do. It's still the same interest. I love the theater. I love puppets. I love Mm -hmm. um, art museums. Yeah. You know, um, when you said the Detroit um, uh, Art Institute, it um, kind of takes me back to the Diego Rivera mural mm-hmm. that's there. And even in my early childhood of going to see it in Mexico and so most of his murals that are that are there in Mexico to see that and how that really struck mm-hmm. struck me. What did you think about that mural when you saw you it? Know, I don't really remember the mural. I might have seen it. I remember it's funny. I, I remember the Rodin's. Um, statue that's out front. I think it's still out front. And um, I remember looking at that. It was a thinker. And I remember being inside looking at a lot of these knights. It's funny because now that's yes. what I remember. Knights. Lots They're of there. A knights. lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in these kind of like sterile spaces and things like that. And for me, and I guess the Riviera would have done the same thing, but it made me just have this to, to imagine, you know, another world. It was so different than where I grew up. And, you know, I lived in this little town that um, many people were um, factory workers. My dad was in the car industry. My grandfather was. So many of my uncles were um, people who worked at the, what they say, the plant. You know, they worked at these factories in a really different kind of life. So the Detroit Institute of Art for me was just kind of could help me imagine. So it was beyond just reading and seeing something on television or a film. It was seeing these artifacts and realizing, you know, somebody actually wore this outfit, you know, could really fit in this thing. This was a, re- a real a real person at some point. You know, somebody was in this armor. Um, it just kind of helped me to 
think about the world in a bigger kind of broader way. I think that's the the beauty of museums. You know, it's mm-hmm. that um, there are these places and spaces that um, really transport you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that um, going back to Rivera, you know, I think that's what he was trying to do with these public these public murals that that they were you know, outside and for everyone to enjoy and to learn and it to escape. It was a strong kind of political focus. I wish I could, you know, say that that is what shaped a lot of my own focus right now because I am very interested in socio-political issues in art. Um, but I don't remember those Diego <laughs> Rivera. I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of too bad. It didn't work out. <laughs> well, you you got it, and it was it was something about that that space there that, that inspired you to do your do your work. Yes, maybe. So did you? So did you go to university in um, in Michigan? No, um, I actually started out at Boston University, and it's funny. I started out in the sciences. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. Quickly learned that I am not interested in that and not actually um, really that adept in, in the, in the sciences. And, you know, I just, I just, that's not my personality. It's very important work. I definitely appreciate physical therapists. I try to be a very good patient when I've um, had to work with a physical therapist, but I'm not the type to nurture people and convince them into doing exercises to improve their life or something or so they can use their arm. I'm like, you know, do it or don't do it, whatever. (laughs) This is what you need to do. And if you don't want to do it, I guess your arm won't work. That's me. So I decided that was not probably a good career path for me. Um, So I started out at BU and then ended up studying philosophy, which I really loved, but wasn't sure where I was going to go with that. Ended up um, being out of school for a while and doing lots of different kind of jobs, actually, in different fields. And went back to school in um, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had um, completed my um, high school degree in Texas. So I actually lived in the Southwest for several years. So it was kind of not un- totally unusual that I ended up in Arizona. But I finished uh, my undergraduate degree there in art history loved it and decided that looking at the professors that I could do that job that looked like a great job that I would spend all my time thinking about art in really deep ways and um, thinking about political issues and relationship to images and I thought yeah that looks like that looks great and then I also love museums so I always thought um, pretty early on at least in in terms of um, my uh, uh, college education started thinking that I could do both I could kind of be somewhere between doing um, teaching and also being someone who could work in a museum curating exhibitions. So we're, we're going to take a break in just a minute, but I want to touch on the what you said um, about how you just really love the, the idea of studying philosophy and studying art history. I want to kind of delve deep into that and to what was it about um, those two disciplines that um, that really captured you? Welcome back to the Arts Hour. I'm Turi Fluker, and my guest today is Latanya Autry. Latanya serves as the uh, art and civil rights curator at the Mississippi Museum of Art, and this is a partnership with Tougaloo College. And before the break, we were talking about. Um, uh, Latanya's early childhood, um, and um, and also you your the way in which you've discovered this this really interesting discipline of art history and philosophy. And I wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit further. Uh, what was it about those two 
disciplines mm. that just drew you? Yeah, I guess, well, with philosophy, I've always been trying to understand human nature, I guess. Before, I, you know, I, I mentioned I had studied health sciences and f- physical therapy and realized that wasn't for me. But I've always been interested in just people and what we do. How do we understand things about knowledge? Um, so philosophy definitely made a lot of sense. While I wasn't sure what it would lead to job-wise, and I, I knew I didn't want to be like an attorney, as people say, oh, that's what you can do with a um, degree in philosophy. I wasn't really interested in that. But I really have always been interested in trying to understand people. Um, much later, you know, I, I, I kind of stopped my studies in philosophy, although I never really stopped. So I, I think I'm still doing them, but just in a different way. Um, became an art history major later when I realized there was a lot of politics in art. And when I had first taken a class in art history as an undergraduate, it was a um, survey course, and it was just basically remember, we had to remember a lot of dates and um, names and things like that. And I could do that easily, but it wasn't actually that engaging. It wasn't until I took an upper-level class at University of Arizona. I took a class on Baroque art. I was learning a lot about religion, um, actually quite a bit about um, you know the Protestant Reformation and things like that. And it was stuff where... I hadn't grown up learning that. I learned it through the art history courses. And all of a sudden, a lot of things in history started making sense to me, and I was learning them through images. And I found that I could still be studying human nature, but doing it with art. And I really kind of just loved that nexus. Um, I like looking at things. I like thinking about other uh, cultures. And art history is really an interdisciplinary kind of degree. A lot of people don't know about it. I didn't really grow up learning about it, even though I had gone to art museums from, you know, being a little kid. I didn't ever take art history classes until I was in, you know, college. And it wasn't really, I had taken a couple early on, but the the later, more interesting classes really happened when I went back to school and I transferred to University of Arizona. Um, I just, you know, fell in love with it and thought, this is something I could probably do, and I could do this well. (laughs) I can't do everything well. I might be interested in it, but I don't have any aptitude in it. That I thought I could do well, and I do think it's really important. I think not everybody does or realizes it, but I do think the arts are very important. Um, You know, being an art historian is really being a historian, but working through objects. um, It is about understanding things that have happened in the past, and um, being able to make sense of that through through objects, through the importance of images. And images have always been real important. I mean, the church has, you know, put a lot of money into um, hiring artists to put a certain kind of story, a certain kind of, you know, they are about power. You know, it's about positioning oneself in a certain way. Kings and queens have been putting a lot of money into arts, and they do it for a reason. The arts have always been super important. So to me, it just kind of was a moment where I started to go, wow, I'm actually maybe figuring out what I should be doing in my life or something that I could do well that I'm really interested in and can't seem to shake. I've still been doing this, even though, you know, often I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where, <laughs> I didn't know where it was going to go. And people tell you, don't go to school for the arts. You're not going to make any money at that. I can't say you're going to make any money at that either. But um, if, you know, for me, it's something I've just been passionate about and, and I really care about it. Also really interested in museums and feel like there's just not enough, um, there's just not enough people of color really shaping how our histories are being told in our institutions. And really all of the objects are ours. They're like, that's our stuff. That's everybody's stuff. Not, not any particular group that can control 
um, art artists, really public culture. And so I've become really invested in doing kind of advocacy work as well in museums and trying to make them be more racially equitable kind of spaces. Yes. I mean, you know, that's the power, you know, that's that's where the power of of the arts lie, you know, mm-hmm. in and people um, understanding the ownership. Right. Of, yeah, who gets of, to shape these narratives. That's right. right. That's okay. right. So so after um, university, um, you are at, do you go to Yale straight after that? Um, oh, nothing your, is so straight. You what know? is your course? <laughs> Tell, take us um, on that road. So I finished the undergraduate at University of Arizona, and then I, go to, I moved to um, Delaware, for their art history program, the graduate level program, because um, I decided I wanted to study art of the United States. And they have an excellent program there in that area. And um, so I moved to Newark, Delaware, of all places. And I had no connection to that place. It's just they have a good program and they're very close to museum collections. Mm-hmm. That was a really big thing for me. I mean, I love love Tucson. I really liked living out there. But I have to say, um, a lot of the shows that I was interested in seeing, art exhibitions, they were just in another part of the country. So it was really expensive for me to travel back and forth to New York area or something. So moving to Delaware actually put me um, in this kind of corridor. So from really, from even from Boston all the way down to D.C. area, there's so many important collections along that kind of northeast um, to mid-Atlantic seaboard kind of area. So it was prime time for me. I was just so excited. I am still in the program, actually. I'm a PhD candidate um, in the art history program there. I ended up, you know, after getting a lot of training, I did some museum work and stuff in the area, in Philadelphia area, also in Delaware. Um, I ended up getting a job at Yale as a curatorial fellow in their photography department. And they have one of the, maybe, I, w- I would I would even go so far as to say probably one of the, the best um, uh, programs for academic museums. Um, they just have like an excellent collection. It's one of the, the best, like ever, <laughs> especially for an academic museum. It's really very um, extensive. Encyclopedic museum has only like the museum has 300 staff members, so it's huge. I worked at other places with like six people kind of thing, and three were part time, three were full time. That's more common for academic museums. Yale is um, got just a, you know a lot of resources and. Uh, a lot of people work there. So I worked there for three years in the photography department. That's been or was an excellent opportunity. I finished there um, last summer. And I learned so much and had such a great opportunity to um, just to be around so many different types of art, you know, in such an extensive collection. Um, I also got to meet amazing artists. To me, really the best part of my job there uh, was really the meeting the artists and the faculty members that I met at Yale. And I would say every month I was meeting amazing people. The first, my first week there, I met Dawood Bay, the photographer Dawood Bay. Yes. I was coming back from lunch and he was just in the doorway talking to somebody. And the director, Jock Reynolds of the gallery, um, was, you know, ushering me over and going, hey, come over here and meet Dawood Bay. And I was like, I know who that is. And I was so worried I had crumbs on my face because <laughs> I had just eaten lunch, you know. And uh, some, yeah, anyway. I <laughs> and uh, he was, Dawood Bay was really fabulous. And really, I met so many people. I met Zanelli Maholi, the South African oh, photographer. Oh, oh, yes. She um, had an object, uh, a photograph up in a show that we had there at Yale. And uh, she was 
she was there. I got to meet her. I met Carrie Mae Weems. I, I mean, I've just met amazing people. Um, a lot of them come through that area. And then it just really important scholars, people that I read that I never thought, you know, I would ever meet them. I never even imagined it, but I had read their work. A lot of them work at Yale yes. or they can't, they come there come and we're doing talks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had some really excellent oppor- opportunities to meet people. And then I also got to curate two shows when I was there. So in three years, I did really have a good chance to um, just really dive into the arts and meeting so many students also like MFA students that were um, some of them starting out in the program. I've seen them to their to their completions. I've seen them kind of through their you know trajectory, their time at Yale, and seen how, seen how they've grown and changed. And now I'm following these people on Instagram, and I'm seeing how they have all this kind of great success. You know, lots of people are um, excited about their work, and I can be like, yeah, I remember when you know, and I was there for those studio visits. Um, so it's been. It was a really great experience, the camaraderie, and a lot of those people I'm probably going to be friends with forever. Yeah, it's uh, it's the, a wonderful thing to be able to connect with, with really just that kind of talent, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, uh, everybody it, is like top of their field, kind of thing. Every it, time you turn around, it's like, oh, and of course, this is you know, Lee Rayford. She's amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she's this top scholar. She came into my show last year. I think it was in the spring or something. I turned around, I was giving a talk in my gallery um, in the exhibition space, and I turned around and there's Lee Rayford with Laura Wexler. Laura uh, Wexler is a, yes. um, a really important uh, historian of photography and women's studies at Yale. And she and Lee Rayford is a student, or was a student of hers. Lee Rayford is now an established um, uh, professor herself at, at uh, University of California, Berkeley. And she was traveling through New Haven or something and had stopped in, and she was at my show. I wow. was so excited. Oh, yeah. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, one of the things that um, that I read that you worked on was the um, was the show around the lynching um, postcards mm. photography. Um, the witness exhibition. Yes. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Oh, that's actually not witness. That's um, without sanctuary. Without sanctuary. Yeah. As a matter of fact, witness before, is something else that I'm right. kind of <laughs> affiliated with. But yeah. But before you do that, I, I'd like to just say that um, I had the opportunity to um, to curate an exhibition of the Without Sanctuary mm-hmm. when it came to Mississippi, and so we showed those um, those hard cards, images, hard images, and just going to Jim Allen's house in Atlanta to pick those images mm. was something um, that certainly you and I could talk about at another time. But yeah, um, but seriously. tell us about your work around that exhibition. Um, yeah. So I studied the postcards for my master's thesis and also for undergraduate um, honors thesis. I didn't really have anything to do with the exhibition. And I didn't even get to see the exhibition. Oh. I've had it, something I've always wanted to see. It's like the and the thing I've been chasing or something, <laughs> the white whale. Um, I haven't actually seen the, the exhibition, but I studied it, would read about how people's reactions and all of this. Um, I really wrote about the photographs and the as postcards and what they meant, thinking about them in relationship to this, you know, this concept of American landscape. And I really got set on this whole thing back when I was undergraduate at University of Arizona um, years ago. I had taken a class and it was called something like 
what was it, African-American women's autobiographies. Mm. And the teacher was introducing us to, um, professor was introducing us to um, Ida B. Wells' uh, autobiography. Mm -hmm. And I had heard of Ida B. Wells, but I didn't, you know, I, like many people, thought I knew what I was talking about, and I didn't. And um, she showed us some of those images from those, from the book without sanctuary in the exhibition and I couldn't shake it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's haunting, haunting. And I realized I did not know that history. Yes. And welcome back to the arts hour. I'm Tori Fluker. And in the studio with me today is LaTanya Autry. LaTanya is the art and civil rights curator at the Mississippi Museum of Art. And this is a partnership with uh, the Mississippi Museum of Art and Tougaloo College. And we've just been chatting away about um, works of art and um, Latanya's amazing career and her um, the intersection of you know the work that she's doing as well as the artists that she's meeting and and um, and so what I want to do is talk about um, the work that you are doing here in Mississippi mm-hmm. um, and um, so you were at Yale. And then you are recruited to come to Mississippi. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine that I work with at Yale had reached out to me. And I was I was getting ready to complete my um, fellowship there. So it was around January, February. She reached out to me and said, well, what are you doing when your fellowship is over? Which would be in the summer. I said, I don't know yet. You know, I'm looking for something. And I've always been interested in social justice work. And I just tell people that's what I do, you know, social justice and the arts. And I want to do that. I want to make, I want to do more of what I do, but just like, I want to go all the way. And she said, oh, I, I have a perfect opportunity for you, though. You know, if you really want to do that, I know something that might work out for you. So she told me about this position here. Um, that was my friend Elizabeth Williams, who is, has and still does work with Mississippi Museum of Art. So she told me about this um, initiative, the Arts and Civil Rights Initiative. And, you know, I was just curious because I was like, I've never actually heard of a job that's this. I've never heard of a curator of art and civil rights. That sounds kind of great. You know, it sounds like it could be a perfect connection. Very important. Um, The director, Betsy Bradley, was kind of got this idea from having seen the exhibition Witness, which I had mistakenly referred to earlier. So Witness was a show that was at uh, Brooklyn Museum in 2014. And it's called Witness, Art and Civil Rights in the 60s. I also saw that show in 2014 in Brooklyn you know, um, before I knew Betsy, before anything about this partnership, I saw that show and thought it was super important and that it actually changes how or should change how we teach and think about American art um, and what civil rights imagery is. So she saw that show as well and thought that Mississippi should be kind of highlighting its own history of civil rights issues. They should be doing that work. You know, it's great. The Brooklyn Brooklyn Museum was doing it, but it should be happening here as well. And um, they, the museum already has worked with Tougaloo College, and Tougaloo, as you know, of course, to, uh, Terry, is uh, has a really rich history in civil rights and um, just you know black activism before before what we think of as a classic civil rights movement. Um, and Tougaloo had has an art collection, and she saw this as a great opportunity to work closely with Tougaloo. And, um, you know, put more attention to the collection and we could do something that would really partner between the two institutions. So 
Yeah, I can't remember what your original question was exactly, but <laughs> kind of gone all over. That's okay. Um, that that really answers it. But um, but before we touch back on that, I do want to go back to before the break. We were talking about the Without Sanctuary mm. um, mm-hmm. exhibition, and um, and so that, of course, as I said before the break, was uh, we I was able to bring that to Mississippi and just really get this. Um, amazing, you know, response from folks with, you know, having that show and, and you made the connection of the, um, of Ida B. Wells and the anti-lynching, um, movement that she, Mm -hmm. um, was sort of, you know, spearheaded and, and, um, very powerful person. Absolutely. Absolutely. And her connection to our state, you know, being a native of Holly Springs and, and um, yeah, it's... yeah, you know that's what's exciting to me about this initiative is that, um, you know, in some ways I I didn't grow up in the deep south, but my grandmother actually was from the Delta and had ran, ran away when she was um, in high school, and went to Chicago like many people, and she was part of that first wave of the Great Migration, and then it ended up moving to um, Michigan and living in this town when she met my grandfather there. Um, so I kind of in like second generation great migration or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't live in the deep south and actually was kind of afraid to come to Mississippi <laughs> to to live here. Um, so when this person, my friend Elizabeth, proposed this, I thought about it and I was like, I don't know. Um, in many ways, some of the you know most important leaders, the strongest leaders have come from Mississippi, from the Deep South, and especially from Mississippi. Um, I study civil rights history, and I wanted to get more into studying the civil rights imagery and photography and other forms of art. And so in a lot of ways, it seems like the perfect place, and it is. But I have to say, you know, I had moments where I was just like, wow, you know, this is, this is taking it to a whole other level. This is getting real. Like, this isn't just talking about I'm doing this um, and I can be doing really important work, good and important work doing this in Connecticut, right? Um, That's important work. But it's another thing to do it in Mississippi. And it's one thing to um, to do it here. A lot of people, they know their history. Um, You know, in some other places, people know their history there too. But because of this kind of great migration, um, there's a lot of these ruptures where uh, younger generations did not learn a lot of things. So like, you know, as much as my grandmother had lived in Delta until when she was a teenager, about 16, um, she didn't talk about her life. She said that was slavery. Mm -hmm. She described her time here in Mississippi as slavery and she would not talk about it. So I didn't grow up learning much about it at all. And it wasn't taught in schools that I went to, um, public schools and stuff. So unless you got it from somebody you knew or you found some certain kind of book or, you know, saw and I would see films, of course, things like that. But it's not it's not like I have a embodied understanding, you know, it's not it's not part of my actual experience. And so that was a real draw for me to come to Mississippi was to kind of pick up on some of these roots from the past um, and to be in communication regularly with people who have lived experiences. They have, you know, they live in the spaces where stuff went down. It was their parents who were on the front lines or some of them were on the front lines. Some of them were children and they were part of the children's crusade. I mean, I'm meeting people with like these real rich histories where before that's something I'm watching a movie. I'm reading, you know, tes- I'm reading testimony, uh, which is important, but it's it's just different. You know, this is a really having much more of a direct connection. I'm in the spaces where stuff happened. 
And so I'm constantly feeling like I'm living in 50 years ago or something, which I'm not, but I do. I feel like a lot of my time here, I'm thinking about stuff that happened 50, 60 years ago. Um, maybe other people aren't doing that so much. They're just living their life, but I'm living in some kind of multiple planes are happening right now for me. Yes, that's, you know, that's really one of the the, the things about doing this work mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the Deep South. It's, you know, you are in this in the re- these really sacred spaces and um and then you're meeting people you know constantly that are either you know related to someone who you've seen in these books mm-hmm. and seen on on film or you you're actually in conversation right. with someone someone was at a talk <laughs> I gave a couple of weeks ago she was in a photograph talking to Fannie Lou Hamer yes. here at Tougaloo. It was a photograph of them talking at, at, at Tougaloo College. Mm-hmm. I was talking about the photograph, and you know we had a lovely general conversation with all the par- participants. And at the end, I was thanking um, everybody for you know doing this interactive kind of discussion. And someone said, "Oh, I just want to ask a question real quick." And I said, "Oh, yeah, sure." And they said, "I wanted to ask." Um, you know, this person here, because she was in this photograph, I wanted to ask her what it was like to talk to Fannie Lou Hamer. And I was just stunned. I was standing there going, what's happening? (laughs) What? Right. What? Yeah. And then I realized, oh, she's the person who's in the photograph. And I felt so stupid that I didn't pick up on that. But, you know, it's 50 years later. She looks different. But then I could see that it was the same person. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then she she told us a little bit about her experience. That those are mo- moments where it just makes you humble. Oh yeah. Because as much as you can study something and read about it, it's just not the same. Really, mm-hmm. it's another part of this puzzle. Really, I think you know. I guess this ties all of the thing about why I study philosophy and trying to understand human nature. Um, I think all of us have pieces of the puzzle of trying to understand life. What what is this thing, right? And it's so important for us to try to put those pieces together. And there are moments where you feel like that's happening. I've had moments like that. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had a moment where I was like, oh, there's a piece of the puzzle. And it's not just the person. It's this, it's the interaction of us all together Absolutely. in this space. Absolutely. You know? So that was so meaningful to me is that I'm so glad the person had, you know, interjected and said, I want to ask a question here. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, Sure. I didn't realize what we had was so important was all of us being together mm-hmm. in that space. That's what made that a really important event. And that's the thing and why I think about this initiative that makes it really important is that it's bringing these two collections um, together, the Mississippi Museum of Art and Tougaloo College, and working with students and faculty about really diving into, you know, that collection and and thinking about these ideas of civil rights and thinking about our moment today is all to put this together. You know, I think what we can bring together, so I'm adding, contributing one part, but it's really going to get activated with the more people that are experiencing it. Each person has got part of that puzzle, and I think we can start to figure it out. I'm hoping, you know, it might be that I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm the most, I don't know what's a good way to put it, I'm like uh, a reluctant optimist or something. Mm. But I think that we can try to make our society better. And if more of us were really actively um, working on it, and there's so much to do. And so it feels in some ways sometimes silly to be an optimist but because um, things seem so daunting. But, you know, people have been doing this work. And I think that's what our, our what real living is about. It's about doing this work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on, you know, this 
being next to, you know, you you really are, you know, in these historic, you know, spaces and you are interacting with 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 folks that have lived historic moments. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that made me think about it was that uh, when I was doing work in New Orleans, it was this, um, uh, you know, the Homer Plessy and mm. the Plessy case, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, you know, I had the opportunity to work with descendants of Plessy and work with descendants of the Fer- of Judge Ferguson. Wow. And, yeah. and so it was those kinds of, you know, mm. um, Ruby Bridges and other mm-hmm. um, little, the uh, Leona Tate and uh, Gail uh, Etienne and uh, Tessie Prevost, who were the ones that integrated the schools that mm-hmm. you see in these AP shots, you know, right, right. so, so, and have subsequently become, you know, you know, colleagues and, and, and friends of mine, you know, so it's, 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 it's really what the South mm-hmm. is, you know, doing this work here is, you know, kind of, you know, it, it gives you the good and the bad, right? right? It's very special. Kind <laughs> it's very of deep special work. Absolutely, right? it is. And so much important activism is still happening here. You know, it's it's um, the the past, but also when I start looking at what was going on in Jackson, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, they got this interesting new mayor. Oh and yeah, there's this you know real discussion and open, not just on the side with certain certain groups of people, but an open like openly saying, you know, this is going to be a black radical city. Yes, like. Whoa! Yeah, I gotta know what this is about. That's what yes. also attracted me to this place. It's 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 some really interesting stuff mm-hmm. going on. Um, you know, we can talk for a long time. I know, um, I can tell. Yeah, hours. <laughs> um, but um, but one last thing I wanted to ask: How do you think we can go about nurturing a state of art lovers? Ah. Um. I think, you know, getting into schools, public schools, other schools too, but especially public schools and getting in there early. I think it's about doing this stuff early. Like me, I actually, like I said, I was brought up in the arts from age six, five, six years old. It just became natural to me. Um, I think that the arts are super important. I know, you know, it's all kind of issues with public schools not having funding and then people start cutting the arts. The arts should not be cut. They are essential that is um, part of how we imagine our futures. It's how, how we understand the past. Um, I don't see it as anything that's just on the side that's uh, accessory or something. It's a regular part of our life. Um, also for older folks, anybody can get into arts. I wouldn't say it's just for the young. It's for everybody. Thank you so much, Latanya. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Mm-hmm.